What's going on, Drunken Boys? Brand new podcast coming right at you. But you know what we got to do first? We got to talk about some things. First and foremost, we got to talk about the Patreon. That's right. There's a Patreon at patreon.com slash Slayer. The Patreon is not only home to exclusive content from and now we drink, but my random video musings and other wacky little projects I work on. It would help me out a ton. A ton for you to join the Patreon for as little as $3 a month. That is less than 10 cents a day. In addition to that, at higher tiers, you can actually be a producer or get IMDb credits for these episodes. That's right. See your name on IMDb. Join the Patreon once again at patreon.com slash Matt Slayer. Once again, we are also brought to you by my Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. If you were listening to this on Thursday, come join the Discord and come play with us on the community game night. Every Thursday, we play Goose Goose Duck and we have a lot of fun with it. Come join the community. Come play some games. It's a blast. Last but not least, if you're listening to this on audio, do you know there's a YouTube channel? At youtube.com slash now we drink. Full of clips. Some full video episodes are being put up on the regular. Check it out. That costs you nothing. Throw it a subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. That's all I ask. Let's get on with it. My guest this week is adult performer Leanna Lovings. Leanna is a, a veteran cam girl who has recently made the transition over to the biz. And uh, we get a little deep in this one. We talk religion, we talk politics, we talk about all the things that you're not supposed to talk about. It was an absolute fucking treat. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy drinking buddies. What's go- fuck's going on? How you doing? <laughs> welcome. Welcome. I'm good. Thank you so much. I know this was super short notice, but thank you for coming to do the show. Absolutely. Yes. I think I actually heard about this just last night. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> had a last minute cancellation as, you know, these things happen and started Always. reaching out to publicists like, hey, had a last minute cancellation. You got anybody? And here we are. <laughs> the magic of modern technology and the internet. Absolutely. It always comes in at a good time. Right? I'm just thrilled that you didn't have a shoot today or were able to make it. Oh, I know. Things have been so busy. Especially since you're coming in from Florida, I'm sure like people are just trying to gobble you up and just like, shoot, 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 shoot. Yeah, it's actually been very difficult because I'm being pulled between two places right now. Uh, between Miami and L.A., they both actually want me to move there. <laughs> Because there's so many, there's so many shoots that they can't all schedule me in at once. So now I am booked over a month ahead of time. Well, shit! I am super honored then that you made it. Yes, thank you. So, what are you thinking? Are you thinking about making the move to Miami or LA? Uh, I am actually officially moving uh, to Florida in uh, the second of February. That's very close. Yeah, that's like. A week or so out. <laughs> yeah. Are you excited about Florida? I'm very excited about Florida. It's uh, it's very sunny there. It's very warm. There's a lot more rain. 
Um, for both the good and the bad, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how your politics lean, but you know, it's definitely an interesting state for. Uh... Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. There's a. <laughs> uh, there's that. <laughs> uh, I don't really appreciate the politics, but for me, it almost feels like I'm coming full circle going back to Florida. It was actually where I was born. And so it feels like I'm coming back to my hometown almost. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. And Florida, Florida, for you know, whatever people want to say about it, does have a lot of stuff going on in it, mm. like outside the industry. There's still like a lot of opportunities there. I wouldn't want to live in Florida. I've definitely spent some time down there. <laughs> not my cup of tea. The humidity just not nah, not about it. Plus, at least like Miami is more about like that club party life, and I'm more about like shitty dive bars and rock and roll. And it's not really Miami scene. Oh, okay. I see how it is. I mean, Resner came from Florida, so yeah, but he didn't stay there. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, a lot of death metal came out of Tampa, but... Exactly! Rock has such a good history with Florida. <laughs> but in the modern era, not much is coming out of there. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, you, you get that one. <laughs> so are you a rock and roller? What, what are you into music-wise? Absolutely. I listen to a little bit of everything. Um, I know it seems very contradictory because... I'm like this five foot, hundred pound little girl that's going around listening to death metal on her headphones. No one ever really expects it. <laughs> but that's awesome. Absolutely. I, you know, I grew up on Tool and Five Finger Death Punch, Nine Inch Nails. It's very odd. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a story for you when we're off air about some of that stuff. Oh, okay. It's an, it's more off air. But so, what are you listening to now, though? Oh, um, that's an interesting question. I mean, right now I'm listening to a lot of EDM. I started going back into Five Finger Death Punch uh, recently. I think it just came with the times. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I'm... I love listening to uh, House. I'll actually listen to everything except for country. Like no country whatsoever? No country music. Like not even Johnny Cash? <laughs> no, it's so funny. Um, it's just, I actually used to live in the country. That was uh, part of my history in Florida. I lived in like this towny area where it was just fields and fields and acres of horses and crops and sheep. <laughs> and at that point, I spent like eight years there. And at some point, I was just, no, I'm never listening to country music again. <laughs> just brings back old memories. It's like, no, 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 I'm cool. I'm past that point in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. I totally, totally understand. Like, there there are definitely some, like, I can't listen to uh, De the Deftones Diamond Eyes album because it reminds me of, like, a shitty situation in life. Like, mm. that's just how music goes sometimes. Like, you just get some emotional attachment to a song, good or bad. And it's just like, yeah, I don't want to revisit that. Absolutely. You know, I really think that we go to music to different genres, especially when we're at different points in our lives. And it's almost like when we transition into a new section of music, we're transitioning in another part of ourselves. And sometimes we look back on that music and we think, I really like that song, but I'm not sure I really want to go back into that space right now. No, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Like, 
growing up as a kid, I was, you know, an angry metalhead kid. If it wasn't metal, I wasn't listening to it back in the day. Like, Absolutely. I was a pissed off fucking teenager. These days, it's like, oh, my tastes are super eclectic. <laughs> Still have a soft spot for the metal, of course. but Of course. That yeah. never really goes away. I hope not. <laughs> my hearing will probably go first. Oh, yeah. So many shows back in the day of like, oh, I probably should have been wearing ear protection. Oh, yeah. You know, I definitely, I grew up so much around music. I would fall asleep um, in front of the stage, <laughs> right next to the speakers. <laughs> and I somehow have my hearing intact. Don't know how that, how that you know, worked out, but you know what? It's still going. You're young. You're still immortal. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> what was your first show? I'm curious. Oh, my gosh. The first show that I can remember is something very cringy. It was my uh, my parents want to take it to see the Barlow Girls, which was like a Christian, edgy, rocker girl concert. <laughs> it was so bad. I mean, like, as a kid, I thought it was really cool because I grew up in like a mega church kind of scene. And then as I got older... I started getting uh, like my own opinions and thoughts and those changed very rapidly and <laughs> uh, things like the Barlow Girls started to feel very, very cringy. And uh, my next concert that I ever went to was Camelot, uh, which is definitely, uh, it's, it's an older alternative rock band, but it's really good. I feel like I know the name and I'm unfamiliar with the music. Yeah, it's, mm. it's pretty good. Like an older... Older for you and older for me are possibly different things. Mm. I definitely had a guest on recently who referred to 80s hair metal as classic rock. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I wasn't old enough to be, like, out on the Sunset Strip in those days. But still, it's like, <laughs> I was definitely alive when that stuff was on MTV. Yeah. Fuck. In my mind, classic rock is still Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah. Oh, oof. <laughs> Getting old. Growing up in a mega church and all that, like, when did you eventually, like... Come to the realization that, like, you know, hey, shouldn't just be blindly following this church. It sounds like, you know, made some choices for yourself. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's a really good transition because uh, I was born and raised actually in the mega church. My mom was like the lead soprano in the church. So I spent like every day there for years. And when I finally got into a high school, my parents decided it's time she went to a public school. And the instant that I got into public school was the instant that I realized the world was entirely different from what everyone else said that it was. And I started uh, studying different religions and different beliefs as early as my freshman year. And that was sort of when everything started to change for me. If you don't mind me asking, what where do you lean in the religious spectrum these days? I guess I would probably uh, say that I'm closer to a Taoist than anything else. What attracted you to Taoism? Uh, Taoism was attractive to me in the uh, in the essence of uh, I read this book known as the Tao of Pooh, which explains Taoism and the simplicity of Pooh Bear, which I thought was absolutely amusing, and somehow it explained it so perfectly and wonderfully that um, I realized that I needed to find my flow in life, and I needed to understand that there were certain paths that I was taking that weren't going in the direction of who I really was as a person. And uh, that sort of really defined how I found the rest of myself in that journey. 
It's awesome. Yeah. And I think you were probably the first Taoist I've ever interviewed or someone who's leaning towards <laughs> Taoist. Personally, I'm an atheist, so I'm always absolutely curious where people end up on stuff because it's, it's amazing how many people don't really seem to grasp that, like, oh, where you were born geographically has a major influence on what religion you end up with. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, everyone's Christian. No, no. A lot of people are not Christian. A whole lot of people are not Christian. Yeah, everyone just thinks that Christianity is the primary religion because it's sort of what we're very used to. Uh, I remember, you know, when I was in grade school, it was all about, uh, you know, attendance to the flag. And then there was also the Christian flag at the end of that in which we would, like, do attendance for the Bible. And that was something that I realized other schools didn't have. So, yeah, I've never heard of that in my life. What is that? The Christian flag is a is a whole thing about, like, your dedication to Jesus. It is, it's, 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 it's wild. I'm going to look it up right now. The but, Christian flag pledge. It's, it's crazy. Can you recite it for us? <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one brotherhood uniting all Christians in service and in love. It's you know. This is short. Yeah, it's short, but it's you know. <laughs> when I went to other to other schools, I realized that that was just something that no one else did. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the product of public schools. I had never even heard of that. Yeah, exactly. That's so wild. Oh yeah, private schools taught me so many things that I thought were just normal. Like actually, one of the things that um, got me really curious about sex was actually something that they had there. And they had uh, something that they called like an abstinence concert. (laughs) When we were of a certain age, they felt the need to like to talk about abstinence to us. And we all got these pewter rings. And uh, I remember they brought out this gigantic wooden heart onto the stage and they were like, this is love in all of its purity. And then all of a sudden, all the lights got dark. And all of a sudden, all the bodies hit the floor. It, like, started playing in the background. Like, let the bodies hit the like floor. Like pool? Yeah. And then it, it was it just, like, got louder and louder. And it was like, the bodies hit the floor. And a guy with a chainsaw comes in and saws the heart in half. And they're like, this is what sex does to you. This is what it does to your relationship. And then afterwards, a guy with a flamethrower comes in and sets the heart on fire. And they said that that's what STDs were. So was this presented by Rammstein? Like, what is going on here? That sounds like a, like if the subject matter was a little different, it could have been a really good time. I know. You know what? The kids all, we all had a really great time. But it was just really weird because I would tell that story to other kids. And I was like, what, you've never had that before? You know, it's just it's your local abstinence concert. Like, yeah, no one's trusting us with pyrotechnics. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's wild. Oh, my goodness. The crazy things that they do to kids. And, you know, when I thought about it before, I was like, why are they so focused on it? It's actually one of the things that got me really curious in my sexuality. It's like, why are they saying no to this so hard? Yeah. It's it kind of was- like how Dare failed with drugs. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're telling me this is what drugs could do? That actually sounds like a lot of fun, man. (laughs) Well, and it's been proven time and time again, abstinence education does not work. Yeah. What worked, at least for me, was the 90s sex ed, which was just like, 
yo, here are horrific pictures of STDs. If you have sex without a condom, you're going to get one of these. <laughs> so wrap it up. Have sex, but wrap it up. Like, I didn't oh have unprotected gosh. sex, like, intentionally until, like, my mid-20s. Oh, wow. And the first time I had, unpro- like, I had a partner and we were just, like, messing around. She's like, just stick it at me, stick it. And, like, penetrator, you know, banged it out. And afterwards, I was just, I freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I did not communicate why I was freaking out very well. <laughs> I'm sure I super upset her. Like, oh. I communicated it like shit. Oh, you know what? I think that we all communicate our first times like shit. You know, I actually almost cried the first time I had sex. But this wasn't my first time. This was my first time without a condom on. <laughs> like, I'm in my mid-fucking toys. I fucked a lot at that point. <laughs> I was just, yeah, it was bad. Oh, that's okay. You know, at least I acknowledge it now, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the point. You know... It's just, it's so crazy. And um, just the lack of communication sometimes on a lot of things just gets all of us. Unfortunately, like, it's part of the human condition to seem to like, oh, I fully comprehend what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And I just kind of expect that you would get it too. Like, no, <laughs> no. The person you just fucked is not a mind reader. You mm-hmm. really need to tell them. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny because when you're watching a show on TV, you think, oh, all you have to do is tell them this would solve all their problems. And then you think in real life, if I only actually talked to them about this one thing, if I actually said it, it probably would have solved my problems. But we think it's so easy when we're watching it play out on the melodrama of, you know, TV. That honestly is one lesson that I wish, like, my parents had instilled a little harder, but mm. I don't know if they realized this. It's like, oh, everything that you're seeing on that glowing tube is the imagination of some guy in Hollywood with a pen. <laughs> like, it's, it's simple shit. Like, my father, when I was a kid, wanted to sign me up for karate. He's like, we need to find you someone like a Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> like, he, those words came out of his fucking mouth. Like, <laughs> It's a fictional fucking character. Yeah, there's so many things. It is really funny that you bring up that point because there's so many things that we think are just, oh, you know, this is common sense. This is something that just exists. And it's just something that TV came up with. (laughs) So much of it. So fucking much. I I think that's what is perpetuated in a lot of cases, though, like the women as a reward for the hero of the story trope. Mm. And that's why a lot of dudes feel entitled to fucking... Women's still like, I'm the hero of my story. That's the prize for the hero, right? Mm. Yeah, that's a very interesting concept. I think that there is a lot of that. <laughs> you know, but the guy like needing to get the girl or that the girl is indebted to the guy because of that. It's so it's so tropey. <laughs> oh, it super is. And like I don't know, like on you can definitely tell me on like especially younger women's end, but like as a dude of, you know, elder millennial status, there is still, like, weird bro codes, like, oh, uh, I was interested in this woman, and she wasn't interested in me. Oh, I can't go for her, bro. You were interested in her. I'm like, no, man. She's a, she's a person with an agency. She chose you. Cool. Have fun. Like, but there's still that, like, weird, and I feel like that trope is completely perpetuated by fucking television and modern media as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that there are a lot of, uh, like, there are things within girl code that I think TV actually gets right. You know, like a lot of girls actually like walking with each other to the bathroom. That's a thing on TV that just actually happens. I don't know why we just all telepathically know, okay, it's time to go to the bathroom. Time to go in unison in that direction. (laughs) 
it's um it's very interesting like pack behavior <laughs> well and it makes sense especially like i don't know if like modern society is actually more dangerous or it's just perceived to be more dangerous because we have more information but i know women definitely feel threatened to be alone in a lot of cases especially oh, yeah. in, in public so that shit all makes sense <laughs> That perfectly makes Plus, you got to be able to gossip somewhere, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Sam, that's just a horrible stereotype. I just, <laughs> like, oh, the girls are going to the bathroom to gossip. Like, damn, I'm, I'm just showing I'm a Neanderthal. I'm on it. <laughs> Back to, like, the religious conversation. Yeah. How long did it get you to arrive at, like, Taoism? Did you experiment with other religions first, or did you? Um, I thought very long and hard about um, different uh, philosophies first. I wanted to sort of piece together what my belief was like. I studied a variety of different religions, and I thought, well, this is what I believe from here, and this is what I believe from here. Why can't I just take all of the lessons that I've learned from other texts and then just choose what I believe out of all of them? Because I don't think that you should ever adhere to one specific text. I think that they're extremely biased. Um I think that over the years, every text has been manipulated in some way by a different author's interpretation of what those words mean. I 100% agree. And on top of it, most of them were written by people who didn't poop indoors. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you going to set rules point. for people who have never even experienced indoor plumbing? These motherfuckers have never experienced a bidet. They've never <laughs> had the pleasure of having their asshole water picked. Exactly. How are they going to set rules for me? Like... What do you mean I can't have tattoos or I can't eat pork? Mm-hmm. Pork is amazing. <laughs> pork is fucking amazing. Bacon's amazing. It is. Crabs. Crabs are delicious. They are. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I've ever would have been able to live without crayfish. Lobster? <laughs> Lobster's fucking delicious. Oh, my goodness, yes. That, that's why, like, in modern times, the people that are just... Well, and in most cases, they're not even actually adhering to the religion that they espouse. They're, like, they're picking and choosing what they want out of it, too. Mm-hmm. Because, like, oh, are you wearing a mixed fiber? You're breaking the law, man. (laughs) Are you not resting on the Sabbath? Like, you're breaking the law, man. (laughs) You know what's actually really funny about that? The Sabbath, the day of the Sabbath specifically, is debated upon. So now no one actually knows what the right day is. It's like, is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? Which one is it? Is it Friday night sundown? (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's crazy because it, it's been manipulated by so many authors over the, mm-hmm. like, if you were to find the original Bible, you wouldn't even be able to fucking read it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the audience is like, you guys are going to just talk religion for the whole time. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, we can transition with, and that's how I got into porn. <laughs> All right. And that's how she got into porn. Yeah. Are you enjoying your time in the industry so far? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm still new. Uh, I'm in three to four months deep, and it is absolutely wonderful. I have done about, like, somewhere in the 70s in the amount of shoots that I've done so far, though. It's been a lot. Nice. Nice. Yeah, everything, like, you're physically okay with everything that's been going on? Like, Yeah. You know, it's definitely very physically exhausting. I don't think people anticipate the fact that you want to be ready to run a marathon before you want to, like, really try to go into porn. I did not realize how many muscles it required until, like, my very first shoot, and then I thought, wow, I'm exhausted. I'm just going to take a quick nap. And then I I woke up, and it had already been 12 hours. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Y'all have some pro-athlete marathon-esque sex. Like, Mm -hmm. 
And that's the thing about having like having to do it for an extended length of time, having to do it as, you know, what's aesthetically pleasing, not necessarily what's physically pleasing, start, stop. Yeah, it's a whole to-do. It is a whole fucking to-do that people just don't seem to realize. Because all they see is, like, the fucking six-minute clip. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's really funny when you word it that way. You know, different companies have their own style of shooting. And sometimes they will actually, like, for if you're in a VR shoot... They will actually shoot what's almost an entire shoot just for the trailer in 2D. <laughs> so you, they want you to go through every single position, uh, like with the 2D camera first for a couple minutes each, and then do the actual porn on VR. So it's it's like two shoots and it lasts about the whole day. Well, and then you add in some companies want to still do sex stills. Yeah, sex stills as well. Sex stills are actually a lot easier because you can stay still when you're doing it. It's, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's still like, oh, I got to have sex with this person twice. Yeah, but I definitely think that it's a lot easier. Sometimes I like to see the sex stills as a warm-up. It's just something I actually really enjoy because it helps get me in the mindset of, oh, I can very easily switch into a flow by this. So I, I don't have to worry about what position I go into. I know exactly which one I'm going to transition to into and how. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad you've been enjoying it because, like, you know, like the average lifespan in this industry is not super long. Oh, yeah. I know that that's a, a really big question, and I plan on having a good long time in the industry. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Like, were you, did anyone warn you about, like, the pitfalls of getting into the industry before you did? Or just jump in two feet? Oh, like what pitfalls? Oh, like what pitfalls? <laughs> no one's had this conversation with you? No. Depends. Well, things like the notoriously short lifespan of performers, or... The fact that being a sex worker is not a protected class, and if you ever decide to go for a civilian job later in life, that you could be discriminated against. Oh, well, you know, see, that's where the discussion is. I don't actually see any of those things as pitfalls. Well, the, just being discriminated against definitely, I think, is. I can feel discriminated against, or I can choose to make my identity something that is not going to affect me like that. You know, I don't really care how uh, people are going to see me as a slut or something like that because we're all going to be discriminated against for something. You know, it just depended on what. You know, for years I was discriminated against for being a nerd. People are going to make fun of you uh, for anything. They're going to find a flaw in anything that you do. And the point is to find something that you love and to do it knowing that it's going to happen anyway without fear of criticism or judgment. Well, I totally get that. And some performers definitely struggle with that. They do. They, Absolutely. The, the, you know, the comment section can be fucking brutal. Oh, yeah. Especially, like, as you get older, obviously your body is going to change. Like, the, we're humans. It, it happens. And I know plenty of performers who have been called out in the fucking comment section for gaining a fucking ounce or <laughs> having a blemish or something. Like, really stupid, petty shit that, like, dudes who are masturbating to feel that they're entitled to fucking say. I think that I am particularly privileged because before I got into porn, I've been a cam girl for four years, and I have a really loving and wonderful fan base. I know that my fans have actually been getting aggressive in the comment section protecting me because um, sometimes the directors don't want me to wear my glasses for a scene, and I immediately see in the comments, 
why isn't she wearing her glasses? <laughs> like, we know Leanna loves wearing her glasses. And it's it's so funny. Uh, you know, they're always there for me. And I feel very lucky that I have a fan base that protects me. That's fucking awesome. And I hope to fuck it stays that way and only grows. Absolutely. The stuff with, like, potential civilian work down the road is not just, like, mean words. It's potential financial ruin. or Always. So uh, that's a potential pitfall. There's... I know plenty of performers that have had problems romantically dating outside the industry because of, you know, dudes not being able to get over what dudes or women that they're dating, just not being able to get over what they do for a living. They say they're cool with it. And then all of a sudden they're not. Maybe one of my biggest flaws is that I'm an optimist about absolutely everything. (laughs) And uh, the same goes with romance. I know that I'll find a partner that's there for me and considerate and compassionate about what I do. Best, I hope that fucking happens. Not best of luck to you. That sounds really fucking <laughs> shitty. Best of luck to you. No. Best of luck. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope that happens. But it is a potential pitfall. Like, I've talked about this on the show before. Like, I have you know civilian friends who occasionally are like, oh, I want to get into the industry because they think it's easy money. Oh, yeah. Which it's not. The thing that I can say is that it's never going to be easy money. It took me four years in the camming industry to get a hold of it and to really get successful. Uh, my very first stream on Chatterbait. Can I say Chatterbait? Yeah. Okay. My oh, first- yeah. You can say whatever the fuck you want. You can say <laughs> OnlyFans, Chatterbait, fucking my free camps, whatever you want. Woo! Go wild. Okay. I like that. Um so for Chatterbait, my very first stream, I was online for four hours and I only earned 20 bucks. People aren't prepared for the huge learning curve there is when it comes to camming. Um, it is a lot more successful now. I have about eight to 10,000 people that watch me per stream on Chatterbait. Uh, and it's extremely wonderful, but it requires a lot of consistency and a lot of determination. A lot of streams with zero people until you gain that following. 100%. Yeah. I've had a lot of friends that have done camming and it's like, it's a grind. Like a lot of people are like, it's like a nine to five. You got to be mm-hmm. on working with certain hours. You got to fucking be consistent and it is an absolute fucking grind. I'm curious with eight to 10,000 fucking people watching you, like, how do you keep up with the chat? How do you do you have moderators? Like, how are you doing that? I do have a moderator that is uh, watching my stream for anyone that says concerning things. And sometimes if I miss what someone's saying, I just have to rely on the idea that they'll say it more than once. (laughs) I usually just try to catch uh, like what comment catches my eye. Sometimes uh, I have a, a program that sort of slows down the chat so that I can read it a lot easier. And if it gets backed up, I just scroll all the way down. It works very well. Eight to 10,000 people just chatting at you is just, that's a lot. That's a fucking lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But, you know, most of them are too busy to work with their hands. You can say they're rubbing one out. It's fine. (laughs) You don't have to be shy about it. They're playing with themselves. We get it. Yeah, they're playing with themselves. I mean, it's the whole goal of chatterbait in the first place, masturbating while you chat. It's uh, not the most efficient way of getting at it, but you know what? Hey, if it makes them happy. (laughs) If it makes them fucking happy. It's wonderful. I really love it. Is that like... An empowering feeling to be like, I have, say, 4,000 people literally masturbating to me at one time. Like, I'm assuming that, like, not all 8,000 are pulling their dicks at the exact same time. <laughs> so I've, let's say 50%. I've definitely had um, the idea. I, I know I was talking to a friend about this, uh, thinking about after four years of that, and now after three months of just uh, 
porn on its own, how many orgasms have I caused? <laughs> like, how, how many are there? Uh, you know, I wish there was like a little counter that could that could just tell me how many times I've made someone come. It would be so much fun. Oh, I'm just... <laughs> Yeah, that, Are you trying to do the math? <laughs> no, I'm trying to do the math on how much ejaculate you're getting per stream. Oh, there we go. So we'll we'll go Can with we on the turn low that end into a renewable energy source. Is maybe, that it? maybe. I mean, <laughs> technically, you know, a load has like information in it because of the data from the sperm. So it's like, of course, you're, you're definitely generating terabytes of data <laughs> every stream. We're gonna go with the low end because the normal volume varies from 1.5 to 5 milliliters per ejaculation. So we'll go with 1.5 on the low end. Okay. And we'll say 4,000. You are getting 6,000 milliliters, roughly, of ejaculate per stream. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, rem- but also remember that that number is rotating because there will be people leaving and entering the chat consistently. And if that number is still 8,000, it probably is actually a higher number than even that. Right, because people pop and go? Absolutely. Okay. Very quickly. Fine, fine. You get <laughs> 8,000 milliliters. Yeah, that's so, still crazy. That is still insane. Well, this bottle of liquor is 750 milliliters. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that is six liters. So what you're saying is I could have my own sperm bank. Probably. Mm. I mean, you probably want to weed out the donors a little more than <laughs> just being like, yo, they throw me money. We'll... we'll they can procreate with somebody like mm. <laughs> yeah yeah we've got to be careful yeah yeah you gotta gotta weed them out a little bit more they'll just like uh, you know do you have any weird tendencies or you, it is actually ridiculously hard to donate sperm mm. oh yeah you know what i heard about that you gotta be like a certain height you gotta like have no genetic dispositions to like any common diseases there's a whole lot to it it's, like that's another tv trope that's mm. like oh dudes get desperate they can just go donate a fucking load yeah, or, oh, a girl gets desperate, she can just donate her ovaries. That's another one. Oh, yeah, selling the egg? Yeah. I mean, if you qualify, it is good money. <laughs> if you qualify, it's like ten to 15000 per egg. Oh, my God. That's insane. But you know what? Um, I heard in Japan, for sperm donors, they actually have a little robot that will jerk you off. Of course they do. I love Japan. Thing. I know. It looks like a TARDIS, if you ever were curious about that. Is it blue? No, but it's shaped like one. Like, so what end of the TARDIS do you fuck? <laughs> the one with the hole? <laughs> Doesn't the TARDIS look like a phone booth? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fuck a Japanese wait, phone booth. Wait. That's, that's... wait, what's the, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I think I have had enough alcohol. She's had half a cocktail, folks. Half a cocktail. Exactly. I get drunk very quickly. But I do have to admit, that is a mistake I was not anticipating. Oh, you weren't expecting me to call you on it? Sorry. (laughs) Where is it? Doctor Who. The sonic screwdriver? No, the things that like... The companion? The the things that talk in like a very monotone voice. Uh, A Dalek? The Daleks. Yes, it's a Dalek. It looks like a Dalek. Oh. Except without the bumps. It, like, it's sleek. I'm, I'm not sure I'd be able to get it up for that. Yeah, I know. Japan's not taking my sperm anyways. <laughs> they, you know, they're a very, 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 very homogenized culture. Oh, yeah. You ever been? No. I really want to go to Japan, though. 
I love it there. It's, sorry, audience. Sorry. I talk about Japan a fair amount. Oh. <laughs> I absolutely fucking love it there. It is my fucking happy place. Eventually, I want to go there just to, um, I really want to take a tour of the shrines. Any tattoos? No, I don't have any tattoos. So you're okay. <laughs> like, visible tattoos really are a thing there? Yeah, I uh, heard that because of the Yakuza. Yeah, well, and it's just like, it's like wearing gang colors. Like, you know, obviously, they know I'm not fucking Yakuza, but they just think I'm an American criminal. <laughs> so, but yeah, you can't go to the shrines or the fucking hot springs with tattoos. Mm. It's just a thing. That is so, yeah. I remember hearing about that. It was, uh, you know what, though, the other place that I actually wanted to go for years was Australia. And people have asked me, why do you want to go there if everything wants to kill you? You know, it just seems so interesting to me because everything there wants to kill me. Not everything wants to kill you. <laughs> koalas just want to sleep. Yeah, koalas want to sleep, but they also are riddled with STDs. Just chlamydia. <laughs> Don't fuck the koala and you'll be fine. Don't fuck the koala. You know, in Florida, it is actually illegal to fuck a porcupine. How many people had to fuck a porcupine in Florida for that to become a law? Either a lot or one very influential person. Exactly. We'll just get that law pushed through. It's questionable. It's There's so many ridiculous laws. In Florida, you actually... What was it? Something about how you can't actually park your elephant at the parking meter. It's so ridiculous. Oh, there's just a lot of ridiculous laws on the books almost everywhere. But, yeah, Florida, I'm sure, has... I I would be afraid to hear what laws are on the books just regarding alligators. (laughs) Just regarding alligators. Oh, that's easy. Don't feed the alligators. (laughs) And yet everyone does. Well, how else are you supposed to get them big for, you know, the cookout? Exactly. Alligators fucking delicious. Oh, yeah. Um, when I lived out in the country, uh, they definitely served a lot of fried alligator. That was definitely a thing. But, you know, it's very, like, it's very chewy. Like, a little bit too chewy. I really love octopus, though. Octopus tastes delicious. It does. But they're really smart. They're really smart. I do feel very guilty, especially when the waiter comes out and gives me, like, a bowl full of baby octopus. It's just like, oh... This is delicious, and I feel extremely guilty. But, you know, bacon is the same exact way. Pigs are incredibly smart. Well, they are, but they were already, like, being factory farmed, which is problematic itself. Okay, I was about to ask, is there, like, an intelligence-to-flavor ratio where you're able to overcome... Oh, no, no, I'll eat eat all of it. (laughs) The way I look at it is, like, if an octopus got caught and I'm eating it, it was a dumb one. Oh, Okay. It was dumb enough to get caught. Those motherfuckers could fit through anywhere that their beak can go through. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Did you see that video on YouTube of the octopus slipping through the hole yeah. in the ship? Oh, my goodness. They escape aquariums pretty regularly. Yeah. If they were dumb enough to get caught, I mean, the stupid one. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, pigs are pretty smart, too. I mean, but they're so fucking delicious. <laughs> so fucking delicious. You know, the thing that gets me, actually, in Florida... Someone played a very mean prank on me one time because I did not know that two very different fish actually share the same name, and it's dolphin. So someone walked up to me, and they were like, uh, they gave me a burger, and it was like, oh, it's a fish burger. And I bite into it. How do you like it? You're eating dolphin right now. I just about cried. (laughs) I did not know that mahi-mahi is also called dolphin. That's wild. Who calls mahi-mahi dolphin? That is an actual thing. You can look it up. I had never heard that. 
That's just mean. I know. So they actually sell them as dolphin burgers. I'm Googling internet. Googling. <laughs> That's why. So common English name. Yeah. The dolphin fish. The common dolphin fish. Weird. It's so messed up. I know. So that's one thing uh, that's in Florida that probably fewer people would have liked to know. But <laughs> So Mai Mai is a Hawaiian name for dolphin fish. Mm-hmm. The Hawaiian moniker came into comedy just to prevent consumers from confusing the fish with the marine mammal, which is it is unrelated. Mm-hmm. Very unrelated, but uh, Florida has deliberately decided to choose it as dolphin burgers because... Probably the football team would probably be part of it. Mm. Especially in Miami. Like, oh, yeah, it's a dolphin burger. (laughs) Woo. (sighs) You sure you want to move to Florida? Yeah. LA's a cool place. LA's absolutely fantastic. But, I mean, I'm still going to be here regularly. I still do practically live in both places pretty consistently. I don't know. Given the choice, I would always choose LA, but that's just me. I Have love you it always here. lived in LA? No, I'm a Chicago native originally. Oh, okay. Fuck Chicago winners. <laughs> but I also had a gig at one point that had me traveling constantly. I've been to 45 states. Like I was stuck in fucking Hialeah, Florida for six months at one point. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I've been fucking everywhere. And like I've been in most places long enough to actually get like a taste of what it would be like to live there. And yeah, it ain't for me in a lot of places. A lot of America is just like, yeah, that that was a thing I did. Like, if I never go back to Montana, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Montana was a weird place. Ohio? I have a lot of friends in Ohio, so I, I unfortunately have to go back at some point. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot of friends in Ohio. Oh, I'm so sorry. The problem with being from Chicago, people end up in fucking Ohio. And, ah, yeah. But at least with Ohio, like, they have White Castle and I can, you know, Make them suffer with that at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's true. Have you ever had White Castle? I remember the great White Castle war between White Castle and Crystal Burgers. <laughs> it's, you know, in Florida, in Daytona, there is actually a spot where there's like this rickety old White Castle still standing like against a Crystal Burger somewhere farther down the road. Crystal won out in Florida. White Castle isn't as popular. No, White Castle's more like Midwest, Northeast. Yeah. There's two of them, three of them in Vegas. That's Mm. as far west as they've gotten. Oh, wow. Honestly, the best part about fucking White Castle is their breakfast sandwiches anyways. (laughs) Seriously, they fry the egg to order. They fry the fucking egg to order. Oh, wow. Who else fucking does that? No one. No one. Yeah, that's very, that's very good. That's like two bucks. Two bucks. (laughs) It's two pieces of wheat toast on egg they just fried and a sausage Mm. patty and a piece of cheese. You can't beat that for like two bucks. You know, when I was younger, I actually thought that I invented eggs and toast. <laughs> and how long did this go on before someone corrected you? <laughs> Three years. <laughs> Wait, uh, were your parents just like, oh, that's nice, dear? Or Yeah, pretty much. They were like, oh, that's just so nice. And I'm like, yeah, I invented it. I made it like every morning for a month because <laughs> I was so proud of it. How did you find out that you didn't invent it? Just like I, I told them, I was like, hey, if you haven't tried this before, you know, um, there's this thing that I came up with and you just make a hole in the toast and you put an egg in the toast and then it's eggy toast. And they were like, dude, that's called shotgun toast. I was like, what? And that was when I found out that I had not invented eggy toast. <laughs> How'd you take that? I took it very hard. I was inconsolable. Is this why you don't listen to country? 
This is exactly why I don't listen to country. We figured it out, folks. We figured out why <laughs> she no longer listens to country. It's We're going fun. deep into it today. Oh, yeah. Did I, did I not warn you before we got on air? This no, is not going to be your typical porn interview. It was going to be very tough. I was prepared. She was. She was. She, she came with notes. She's like, you can't see it on the video version, but she's got a whole fucking like <laughs> archives of fucking things that she's studying. She, mm-hmm. I came with a little backpack. Who knows what's in there? Who knows? <laughs> I, I'm a little afraid of what could be in there. Secrets. Could be a secret, could be a giant dildo, could be a portal to another dimension. Who knows? It's both. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's a large enough dildo, you have to put it in another dimension otherwise. Exactly. How else will you get through airport security? Got to keep it in the little pocket portal. Exactly. It's a bag it's of holding. a secure way. Exactly. 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 I don't know where I was going with any of that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the show tangents a little bit sometimes. Just, just runs away with, just running away with whatever like happens around here. It's just kind of how it goes sometimes. That's fine. Well, I'd hope so. I mean, I, I'm going to keep doing it. It's my show. <laughs> Nothing you can do to stop me. You cannot beat me to death with a dildo and stop me. <laughs> is that is that what you were thinking about <laughs> the entire time we were having that conversation? Oh, yeah. That, she's just going to whip out a giant dildo and beat me to death with it on camera. But that is what the old fortune teller told me was going to happen. Now I have to cancel my plans. That was actually your plan. Shit. <laughs> oh, I was just making a joke. Uh, <laughs> little, a little, a little nervous now. No, but you know what? Um, in the entire time that I have been in the industry, I don't have that many toys. And if anything, if uh, comparing all of the toys that I've actually bought, they have never actually been for myself. They've been for camera, because I have a personal rule, and it is actually. Me, my hands, and my imagination. That is the best way that uh, it works for me. It's so weird because when I try to appeal to other people's fantasies, it's always with like a tentacle dildos. I actually have one that looks like an octopus tentacle. From Bad Dragon or? Yeah, from Bad Dragon. It was my very first. Bad Dragon actually gave it to me as a gift. My very first Chatterbait stream. Nice. Yeah, it was very Wait, sweet of you. Your them. very first stream, they're just like, here, have a Bad Dragon toy? Yeah, so this is a secret. Actually, Bad Dragon has a deal with new cam girls, or at least they did four, four years ago, where you would message them, you would message a secret person, and they would give you a like a beginner's pack. And so I had a Bad Dragon dildo. They gave me a full tube of normal lube, a full tube of cum lube, three different um, samples of density and softness in terms of texture of their dildos that you could choose from and test. And then, uh, like, a dildo keychain. Well, good shit. Yeah, it was very nice of them. And they were just giving it out to new models uh, to use for their streams. Because uh, on your very first couple streams on Chatterbait, they promote you to the front of the page. Well, shit. Why is Chatterbait better for streaming than Twitch? God damn. <laughs> it's fucked up. I know. They give you a free little sponsorship your first time in. Right? Like, like oh, hey. It's kind of like how they say drug dealers work. Oh, like, yeah. Here's your free, here's your free taste. <laughs> You're going to come back for more, right? I'm going to hook you in. But you know what's actually really funny? I have come back to Bad Dragon several times for their toys just because um, I am very texture sensitive. So I'm very specific on what kind of textures on the toys that I like uh, when I do use them. And they've always come out with the best quality 
you know, it's it's and I really love their variation in colors. And I'm sure they'll love the ad you just ran for them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll clip this for you. You can send it right on to Bad Dragon and be like, no, throw it on the site. Sorry about that. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Oh, yeah. So what what texture is like your ideal texture? Oh, um, let's see. My ideal texture. It's got to be at least in the toy range. It's like the medium thickness uh, dual core density. I really like it when it's <laughs> firm in the middle and soft on the outside. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I, I do have to say, though, the way you initially answered that, I felt like I just asked you a question for a spelling bee. You're just like, <laughs> my ideal texture. Can you use it in a sentence? I was ready. I, You know, I really had to think about that one because I am so specific with textures. Uh, like when I buy my clothes, I actually have to really feel them with the tips of my fingers. It has to, to rub against me very, <laughs> very nicely. I did not mean to make that as a sexual innuendo, but it came out that way. You know, those are okay here. You can do that. It's fine. Oh, okay. No, cool. no, one, no one's going to judge you. Okay. No one, no one is going to be like, oh, no, she made a sexual innuendo. Oh, my God, we talked about sex. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, full profanity. Like, you can pretty much do whatever you want here. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Except beat me to death with the dildo. You can't do that one. Oh, that's right. You can't even beat me unconscious with the dildo. Like, no, <laughs> no violence towards me, please. Of course. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I love that, like. You're just like, that's okay. I mean, I, I've definitely had guests be violent towards me before. Oh, my gosh, no. Just like one, like one time. But Oh, that sounds awful. What happened? I've told this story on air, but yeah, I had a guest get a little drunk and like, punch me in the fucking head. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Yeah, it's a good story. And, um, the audience has definitely heard it before, but yeah, that super duper happened. I think um, the best way to describe uh, my state of drunkenness when I get there uh, whenever I drink alcohol, I get more philosophical than anything else. That's weird. I'm the, I'm the philosopher drunk. I mean, a lot of philosophers are drunk, so that's okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's sort of it goes back and forth. I just try to match energy when I've been drinking. It's just like, are, are we being silly? Yeah, I can be silly. Are we yeah. waxing philosophical? Yeah, I can do that too. <laughs> I tend to do that a little bit more on mushrooms than I do drinking, but. Oh, okay. I've you know. I know that there's a trope that a lot of people in porn do drugs, but the only thing I've ever really, I've only ever had like edibles, like weed edibles. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's an individual choice. Absolutely. And it's one of those things where like, I am not a proponent of people being like, oh, you should. Well, okay. That's a lie. I'm definitely thinking people should do psychedelics, hmm. but I am also of the opinion that you shouldn't do anything that's going to fucking take over your life and not allow you to fucking operate. Absolutely. Psychedelics are fine because they're not addictive. You just do them on occasion, on special occasions, and, like, have a good time. Preferably in a safe environment where, like, you're just going to enjoy yourself. Mm. Things like, you know, coke and heroin. That can be problematic. Mm. But also, I'm very much of the opinion, like, if you're going to do something that only negatively affects yourself, it's your body. It's your choice. Absolutely. Like, I don't espouse that you should, but it's on you. Mm. I'm sure there are plenty of fun. Well, there are probably a handful of functioning heroin acts out there. <laughs> Keith Richards, come on. 
fucking one of the biggest bands in the world. Been a heroin act forever, right? <laughs> there's there's exceptions to those roles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things where like some experimentation in life is good. But it should just be that. Like just some experimentation. Not like, oh hey, I'm a heroin act. That's how I define my life. Mm. And it's much like religion. It's like your life should not be defined by just your religious beliefs or your political beliefs. Oh yeah. And that's one of the things that you know bothers me in modern society is like people's political beliefs have become their religion. The thing that I think everyone uh, focuses maybe a little bit too much on is uh, the idea of labels. I think that everyone is looking for something to label other people by because then it makes them easier to understand. But by typifying someone, you're not seeing them as a 3D person with interchanging ideologies and behaviors and there's so many other things to them than the labels that we put on other people. Well, 100%. I mean, we're also in a society where nuance is dead. So, mm. you know, it's just easy to like, oh, no, you're, as you said, just label people. Mm. Like, no, no, they're that. They're like, no, no, no. People are uh, hopefully constantly changing and evolving, too. Absolutely. I really hope for the best in people. Well, <laughs> I am the polar opposite. I expect the worst in <laughs> Almost everybody. I feel like everyone has the capacity for growth and change, even when they don't see it in themselves. You know, something could happen in their lives that really makes them think and changes things. Yeah, it's generally <laughs> horribly traumatic. That yeah, usually the horrible traumatic things, but, you know, it does happen. Yeah, unfortunately, the way the human existence goes, generally the positives just reinforce shitty behavior. Yeah. It's like, if you were already shitty... Oh, good things happening to you will continue to make you be shitty. Like, mm. just did something horrible and traumatic. Be like, oh, hey, maybe I'm not living the best life here. <laughs> Fuck. We should talk more about sexy things than sexy things than just you know weird philosophical. But you know, you're like, oh, I, I get philosophical. Just got me off on a tangent. <laughs> All of this, you know, it it happens. Well, cheers to that. Cheers. So. Where do you see your career going? Like, I know you're three months in, but like, where do you see your career eventually going? You, though you're three months into professional work, you're four years and changing. You're not like fucking fresh off the bus as they were. Yeah. Um, because of that, I do have a plan. Um, Are we allowed to know what the secret, super secret plan is? Not all of it. But, uh, you know, some things I like to keep secret. Uh, I do intend to be in porn for... Uh, the better half of a good couple of years, uh, primarily because I feel like uh, my fans deserve a certain quality of content that sometimes I'm too lazy to procreate, like to procure on my own. Uh, <laughs> Unless you're honest about it, that's awesome. You know what? I have a camera, I have a rig, I have everything that I could use to make some of my own videos. But I really love trusting the direction that other directors take with my work. And I love getting new fans off of that and just seeing their creativity and experiencing all these different scripts and then working with other directors and then making scripts with them uh, and some kind of combination of creative identity. It's, it's just so much fun. One of the things that uh, I definitely just plan on being more consistent in is camming and doing porn at the same exact time. 
that has been hard because I have been touring between Miami, LA, and Vegas and then going home. But because I'm going to be moving closer to at least one shoot location, I'll just be flying back and forth now between technically home and then another place. I love how you're like, technically home. It won't feel like home. It'll just be where my (laughs) shit lives. I know that feeling. Not great after a while. I don't know. So far, uh... I am really embracing what feels like a very nomadic lifestyle right now. It's interesting because I've never really gotten to have this type of experience where my environment is consistently changing and it is exciting. And I know that as the newness goes away, I'm still going to be excited about it because of all the opportunities and the people that I get to meet along with it. Oh, 100%. And embrace the fuck out of them. Mm. It's amazing what doors porn opens sometimes. And eventually, uh, after uh, starring in porn, maybe eventually I will uh, go back to making my own porn. I think that that is going to be the end result after I've learned um, lessons from all of the sets that I've been on. There's just so much to learn when I'm there. So are you actually like spending time with the crew, like asking questions or? Yeah, I like spending a lot of time with the crew, especially because, I mean, they have such a huge part in what the output becomes for every scene. I love focusing on the camera guy. Uh, I love focusing on how they set up the lights, what gear that they're using, what cameras and what lenses that they're like uh, putting on to accentuate certain parts of the room. It is just so cool to me. I love learning about every avenue just because it's it's really fun too. Are you a fan of fil- like film in general or? Um, I'm not as much of a film nerd, but going into porn has somehow um, given me insight into what filming is like. And it is very fun to sort of now look at films and see, oh, you know what? I can see why that's a separate cut. I can see that they actually did several takes on this because the main character is now sweating. (laughs) It's it's so funny. Yeah. Once you start editing a lot of your own shit, you're like... Oh, I see edits everywhere. Yeah, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, I see why they did that. I see what they're covering up here. <laughs> it's so, it has changed the way that I enjoy movies. I still enjoy movies, but I enjoy it in a different way now. And sometimes I have to get myself to just kind of shut up when I'm watching movies around friends because now I'll just point at things and I have to kind of calm down. <laughs> Speaking of movies, what are some of your favorites? Oh, my gosh. Uh, So I'm a really big fan of horror movies. Okay. Uh, I really do love um, The Conjuring. The Conjuring is definitely one of my favorite horror movies. Um, Annabelle Creation was a pretty good one. Um, It's so... I have so many films that I really enjoy that it is very difficult to pinpoint all of them. Well, as it should be. Like, when people are like, oh, what's your top five or your top ten? Like, uh... It it all gets mixed in between at that point. I'm just like, oh, my goodness, I don't think I could, uh... Okay, never mind. (laughs) Well, and it's also like, what am I in the fucking mood for? There's times where, like, I'm in the mood for a fucking comedy or I'm in the mood for a mindless action movie or... A fucking psychological thriller. Yes. You know what? Uh, My favorite really sad, depressing, but amazing ghost story movie is Guillermo del Toro's The Devil's Backbone. You know what? Like, not many people know about that movie. It's it's one of, like, Guillermo del Toro's firsts, and it's really good. 
He's a crazy person. He is absolutely <laughs> a crazy person. Absolutely, but wonderfully creative. Yes, he, he is. He also has two houses that are basically museums. <laughs> he really does. That's amazing. Um, I had a gig a couple of years back. Like I do some security work on the side, mm-hmm. and had a gig where like I had to escort people from a museum in Mexico that were taking artwork from his houses to go put on display in Mexico. Oh my god! His houses are like these two houses are so fucking cluttered with just with just fucking shit. It is like what. All sorts of artwork. So much Hellboy shit. So much Hellboy. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I actually have a good question. Do you think that Guillermo del Toro believes in ghosts? I don't know. I, of, I, I honestly... Out of all of the, you know, the, the ghost stories, out of all of the fantasy that he's written, do you think that he's superstitious? I mean... I don't... Judging by the, how those houses are set up, I don't think he's superstitious. But I, I definitely <laughs> think he's into, he's into it. Mm. He's definitely into it. Yeah, the, those houses didn't strike me as someone who was superstitious. <laughs> like, all his awards were just, like, kind of on a just random shelf by a kitchen in one of the houses. Oh, that's so funny. It's like, oh, hey, well, there's an Oscar and fucking, like, <laughs> a Golden Globe. Just chillaxing right there. Oh, that's great. Imagine, like, a super fanboy but a hoarder and, and combine them together into two mansions. Oh, Wow. Like, you walk into one of the houses, and it's just like, oh, there's a full, like, actual from set spacesuit from Prometheus right next to the glove from the first Hellboy that, like, Rasputin was... Oh, my was, gosh. Yeah. That's actually really wild. Do you think he's going to have to buy, like, a third or a fourth mansion soon? Probably. <laughs> Probably. It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty fucking wild. Just, like, yeah, my, bo- my employer at the time was like, don't even take your phone into the fucking houses. Because, like, I wasn't even told what it was until I got there. It's like, I have a gig. It's, you know, high profile. I need someone who can actually talk to people. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. I'm on it. It's like, leave your phone in the fucking car. Do not even take it into the house. (laughs) And when I found out I was, I'm like, okay, totally, totally fucking get it. But yeah, those houses are wild. But it was almost like tripping over Hellboy, like, statues. But it's also like, if I had that kind of money and fame, what would I do with it? Exactly. So what would you do with it? If you got to be filthy rich. I would have... Okay, I actually... Since I was a kid, I've always been one for planning my future. I actually had a plan where I would save up hundreds of thousands of dollars and I would build a three-story house uh, that would be like a, a safe house refuge for runaway kids. Oh. So, uh... <laughs> My dream is that if I got filthy rich, I would definitely have a uh, a house for runaway kids. So were you a runaway at one point? No. I just always thought that it would be nice to have someone that was always there for uh, someone that needed help. Oh. Yeah. That's the like, most <laughs> down-to-earth answer I've ever fucking heard. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to help people. Gonna help people. Like, yeah. I feel like you know people with ridiculous amounts of money, like Jeff Bezos. You know they they don't help enough people. I just think it's just kind of funny. Like I think that a sensible person, if you had enough money, sure you would save some money for yourself, but also like you should help other people too. You should be able to do both, and it should still be sensible to do so. Oh, well, I agree. I agree. But it's one of those things where like 
unfortunately, the, the ultra rich start their own charities just as tax write offs and then yeah, manipulate that's policy. That's despicable for me. And then they end up taking money from their private charities. I've read that too, and it's just and hell, so silly to me. Even if they don't take money from their charities, they 100% manipulate policy with the charity. Yeah. I'm not listening to fucking experts on what where this money needs to go. I'm going to dictate where this money needs to go, mm. which is a problem when you're like, hey, I'm a expert in computer science or some shit like that, not social economic fucking things where, hey, yeah, that might be more suited to someone who's actually studied or devoted their life to this shit. Yeah. But I don't ever expect to be that rich. I expect to be like self-sufficient. I don't expect to even, I, I'm going to die poor. I'm, I'm going to stop lying <laughs> to the camera. It's okay, though. You can't take it with you anyways. If I ever was really, 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 really crazy rich, I think a selfish purchase that I would make was that I would have privately trained dolphins. Your own little sea world? <laughs> Are you trying to get yourself canceled? Like No, okay, no. Well, all I'm saying is, do you remember um, Austin Powers? I'm fully aware. Austin Powers' arch nemesis had sharks with uh, little lasers on yep. the top. Yeah, I would have dolphins. Dolphins with, with lasers? With lasers. That, that <laughs> sounds like a great way to lose an eye. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it would be really cool. Till you lost that eye. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I would just lessen the lasers to be like cat lasers. So I would have like so, a cat that could run around and the dolphins could play with Oh, I just imagine you as like a human cat there. Like, oh. the dolphins are just shining lasers like... Oh my god. No, that's not what I would do. <laughs> Why not? You're rich. You're, you don't have to work. Mm. It's true. I would probably still work. Dude, like I know you have this whole plan for your future. Like do you ever want like settle down kids one day or Oh man. I think that kids are always an option if I find the right person. But Right now, I think that it's way too early in my life to even think about it. Well, okay. I was only asking because you said you like I plan out oh, my life. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've always planned out my life. When I was in middle school, I planned that I was going to be a marine biologist that was going to uh, live in Queensland, Australia specifically. So what happened? Why that not happen? Uh, I grew up and then I got really into psychology and then I thought, well, I could... Get a double major in biology and psychology and get a specialization in neuroscience. And uh, then I paused on that because I was saving up money. Um, I did have a 75% scholarship at the time, so that paid for 75% of like my tuition. But I still needed the other 25%. And then, I'm assuming that didn't cover housing either. Yeah, it didn't cover housing. And uh, with that, as I was saving money, I... Camming created a business for me that became a lot more profitable. Chasing that almighty dollar. The American yeah. dream. I mean, that's the beauty of sex work is it does allow for upward mobility. You know what? In a lot of ways, it did help me and my dreams. Because I ignored a lot of things to go into neuroscience and biology. You know, I... um I sold, uh, I had like gotten a previous scholarship actually in art. Uh, I had gotten like a several thousand dollar photography scholarship so that I could get camera gear and things like that. And I actually ended up using it to buy books for college. And uh, when I got into camming, one of my fans 
uh, bought me a really high grade camera that I could use. What do you get you? What do you get you? I'm, I'm a little bit of a gearhead, so what do you get you? Well, I can say I now have a Canon Mark IV or 5D. Ooh, very nice. Yes. And I also have, like, a brand new Wacom Cintiq. Very nice. Yeah, and they were all gifted by fans that really care about uh, that other artistic side of me. So, as much as people say that porn closes doors for you in certain business aspects, porn opens up a lot of doors that I don't think other people are, are ready to consider. Oh, 100% porn opens a lot of fucking doors. A lot. But as I was talking about earlier, it does have, it's not like, there are trade-offs for it. It's oh, not, yeah. It's not just like, oh, hey, here's my wonderful life of pornography <laughs> and backstage passes and free shit. Oh, yeah. No, it's not a wonderful life. Uh, there's so many wonderful things about it, but I can say um, all of the glamour that people think uh, are like uh, luxuries are actually just things that we have to do for work. Like uh, people uh, like to joke, especially on TV, it's the trope about, oh, I've got to get my nails done. Getting your nails done actually hurts. <laughs> it's not something that many of us just enjoy. It doesn't feel super good. The ladies that like uh, give you your pedicures aren't always like the most gentle, things like that, you know. And self-care is something that I think everyone can relate to as something that's very hard. And you still have to keep up in terms of self-maintenance every day. It's something that um, people would expect to be very easy. Uh, but it is, uh, it's really a ritual that you have to get used to. Well, and people also overlook the fact that like on a normal civilian job, if you're having an off fucking day, you can still show up to work. And possibly, you know, make your way through it. Mm -hmm. You show up to set on an off fucking day. People are going to talk about it, and it's being fucking filmed. There is record of your off fucking day. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually an interesting point because uh, if you're, uh, you know, I've actually thought about this on set because if you're if you have a cold and you're feeling shitty in the office, that's one thing. You can still get your work done, but you can't go on set if you have a cold. It's just like you can't go on set if you're sick. Also, if you're feeling down and out, you know, it's you cannot show any of that on camera. You have to change uh, all of your facial expressions. You have to change your entire demeanor. You become someone else in order to fit into a specific type of fantasy, in order to fit into an ideal. And... If you're in pain, sometimes there are a lot of very like uncomfortable positions. You immediately transition to make it look as if it feels like the best thing in the world. And I love being able to do that because I see it as a challenge and it's extremely fun for me. But, you know, it's it's definitely not going to feel the best. Oh, it's not. It's not. It, that's why part of the reason the job's hard. You get into a fight with your significant other before you come on set. You got to hide that shit. You got to. Oh, yeah. Not everyone in this business does a great job of it sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you've been on 70 plus sets at this point. I'm sure you've had some people show up in not in the best moods. Oh, yeah. I've definitely uh, seen those. Um, I'll never get into detail about like the 
the specific things that happen on those types of sets because I feel like everyone's privacy is so important. But I do notice, you know, when my partner on scene is having a rough time. And I feel like it's also important to be there for your scene partner because of that. I feel like one of the jobs is almost therapy with your other person if if they're having a rough time. Like, uh, if they're having a hard time getting to completion, I always maintain physical contact if that's something that they need, and I maintain eye contact, and I'm there with them. What if the eye contact freaks them out? Then we don't make eye contact. Because, <laughs> you know, it's not everyone's thing. You kind of have to experiment to see what really gets them off. I love asking them, especially just, hey, you know, what makes you feel the best so that, you know, I can I can be there for that and make you feel the best. Have you gotten any weird requests? Not to kink shame anyone. I'm just curious. Um, Like, I don't really see it as weird. I know other people would see it as weird. Like, okay, uh, the, the, some guys have had to sniff my armpits. Uh, the, why did that just come to my mind? That's literally <laughs> what I was thinking of. Yeah, like they'll they'll like I've had guys that will like sniff or lick my armpits as as a thing to get them off, and I think that that's really biologically it makes sense to me because it's pheromones. It's not something that I'm used to, but I think that it's perfectly normal. No, I mean, I'm not. As I said, I'm not here to kink shame. Like, yeah, it's not anything I've. Okay, it's not anything I would consciously be like. Yeah, I'm gonna lick some armpits today, mm-hmm. but yeah. You know, I've done some you know, wild shit in the heat of the moment. I, I'm, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of like possibility of like, oh yeah, in the heat of the fucking moment, look, look in an armpit. Mm-hmm. And shit, I definitely one partner years and years ago, like it's her and I still talk about this day. I definitely like bit like not her calf, but like just like the side of her leg was, was like. Here's the moment, shit. You never know. <laughs> you know what? I was reading a romance novel years ago, and they talked about like biting the thigh. And I was all, I always wondered, like, is that a thing that people actually like? But I noticed though that your your inner thigh can actually be very sensitive. So sometimes there are certain guys where if they're very close to coming, all you have to do to really get them to the edge is run your fingernails up from like the edge of their knee down into the inner part of their thigh. And as you get closer towards the groin, they really like get close to coming. It's it's like it builds up a sensation that makes it easier for them. The more you know, folks. Yeah. Sex I, tips. I had never heard that one. <laughs> Sex tips with Leanna Lovings. How'd you figure that one out? Um, experimentation. <laughs> They're just like, mm. yeah. Well, you know, I um, my main thing, something that turns me on, is giving my partner a lot of physical contact. So for me, in order to establish, because a lot of the scenes you have to be very intimate. So I sort of establish a form of intimacy beforehand. And what I do is I sort of run my fingers along them, sometimes along their hands. And if they're particularly responsive to that, I know that they'll be responsive to very light touches when they're on the edge of coming. I'll do some very light shapes where it's almost like I'm sort of tracing a story on their skin. And... Uh, the more that they respond to that, the more I know they'll respond positively to that other kind of stimulation. Nice. Nice. I, it took everything right there to not to be like, the story of, will you pop already? <laughs> <laughs> no. You know what? I never think that because I know the guy is definitely thinking that in his head already. 
you know that they're so critical of themselves. And I'm just like, you know what? I never want you to feel that way when you're around me. I don't say that, but you know what? I just establish that and I just smile and I make them feel as comfortable as possible. Well, good on you. As someone who works on a crew, I'm 100% thinking, will you fucking pop already? (laughs) I want to go home. We get day rates. Sooner I get to go home, more money I made. <laughs> but no, that, that's awesome. That that is absolutely awesome. That like you're trying to be there for your partner because I often hear from male talent where it's just like, yeah, my scene partner. The minute the cameras aren't rolling, we're back on their phone. Or yeah, no, like I feel like they need that kind of attention because. I've seen that, you know, I've seen where a guy has difficulty popping and, you know, there's like the director going like, oh, and, you know, everyone's getting impatient and I might feel like a certain way. But for me, it's just like, I know that the best way he's going to feel good is if he knows that I care about what he's feeling in that moment right now. Aw. It's <laughs> not the sweetest fucking thing I've ever heard. Like, Aw, thanks. <laughs> that is not the typical attitude. Oh, yeah. I I think that there should be, like, more gentleness towards it. I think that that's what it requires. Unfortunately, people are in this business for extended periods of time and are fucking jaded. All they just want is, you know, they want to do their work. They want to fucking make it look good. They want to make their money and they want to go home. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know... I can understand that to a point, but for me, it's always about intimacy and connection with my partners. Well, I hope that stays that way for you. Like, Thanks. I definitely, I want to be that person in porn. You know, I thought a very long time as a cam girl about when I was going to go into porn and who I was going to be and how I was going to perform. And I wanted to perform differently than the other girls that I had seen in porn. And I want to be authentic and genuine continuously. When did you like come to the realization that like that's what you needed to do? As a cam girl, I noticed a lot that, you know, people when they go on Chatterbait, they're masturbating a lot of the time, but sometimes they just want that intimacy and the connection with someone And they want conversation and they want to feel like you actually care and you just need to be like a real person. And then it was just suddenly like, wow, maybe everyone actually just wants to be treated that way. And then you suddenly realize if I took that into porn, you know, that would be an entirely different experience that I haven't really seen as much of because you don't always get to see a full on connection with every performer that's out there. And so my goal is to have that kind of strength and connection with everyone I participate with. Do you ever worry about like developing strong feelings for your scene partners over that? No. Uh, <laughs> that was a quick answer, but. Like, no, fuck them. <laughs> it's all an act. It's all. No, I'm sorry. No, but you know what? Like, it's just um, the way that I see it, it's very healing for me. And then it's healing for them, too. It's just sort of like for me, like, a okay, so this is going to start with a completely different segue, but it's going to make sense. So I got uh, I lost my virginity after I got into BDSM. So the first thing I actually ever did was go headfirst into BDSM. And so for me, the entire thing was, oh, we're doing all these intimate things, but it's not we're not having sex. The goal was to get closer to that person. And so for me, the people that I did those things with, we were friends and we sort of formed a community with that. And so for me, 
that sort of lesson within BDSM has extended now into porn, where it just feels like I'm forming a connection and learning more about that person. It doesn't feel super romantic because I know the purpose of the scene. And I can still reach that kind of intimacy with a romantic partner uh, because it's a different kind of headspace for me and it's in a different environment. Makes sense. Makes sense. So there's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) What made you decide to get into BDSM? I was absolutely terrified of sex because I grew up in, you know, that mega church setting. So for me, I just thought it was going to be super awful. Uh, I was just so scared about it. And then I thought, well, I, I thought about it with a couple people and they said, well, why don't you just get into BDSM? Because you can do all of these crazy things without ever having sex and it feels just as intimate. And I thought, wow, okay, I don't have to have sex. That sounds great. <laughs> you know, like um, that joke about like Christian girls that have anal sex because God doesn't look there, you know, or, oh, it doesn't count as real sex. It was kind of also in that, it was in that vein, so to speak. It was easier. So who introduced you to it? Like, like did you just like, I'm just going to go to a BDS, BDSM club and see where it goes? Like. How did you discover it? Like, how did you? I got onto FetLife and okay. I found like my local community there. And then suddenly there was like a girl that ran cafe meetups. And so I went with her and uh, like I showed my IDs and they vetted me at the cafe. And then it was just sort of like, it was very spontaneous. And they said, this is really out of protocol, but you know, do you just want to go back to my place and hang out? And uh, so we watched Chopped on TV and then she brought out like a toy bag and they had rope and they actually tried bondage while uh, someone in her house made burritos. (laughs) So they like fed me burritos while I was tied up and I was like, wow, this is great. We can just keep going. And um, it was absolutely wonderful. I got into uh, bondage and that was sort of the way that I could feel a connection with someone. Are you still a lifestyle player? Are you When you look for a partner, are you looking for someone who you can play with as well? I think that's definitely a strong consideration for me. Um, I always go for that person's personality because I know if their personality leans a certain way, if they have certain proclivities, then they'll be more open to my lifestyle. And uh after that point, after I feel like I can trust them, I'll be very open about, uh, like, he, here are the the facts about my lifestyle. This is what I do. And then I'll slowly introduce them to those things. You don't think it's better to just let them know right up, right up front and be like, yo, if you're not into this, cool, later? I think it depends. Uh, because sometimes um, starting right out of the bat is going to scare people. It's going to scare people that are actually still into those things. And well, you're weeding out the week. Fuck them. <laughs> I mean, that's a really great way to do it. <laughs> I definitely, you know, I don't discourage that, too. That's always an option. But for me, um, I guess I've always just been perhaps scared of immediately saying it because I've just been so used to, uh, quote unquote, vanilla culture. But what happens, like, if you get involved with someone and they're vanilla and you really care about them and they're not down with your lifestyle? Like, what then? Well, that lifestyle is still very much a part of me. And so that's just where things would end. But why waste all that time with them then? It's not wasting time if you spent time getting to know someone like that. It just means that you're making more memories along the way. 
I feel like that is all easier said than done. Absolutely. 100%. That's easier said <laughs> than done. So, yeah. As I said, I would rather just weed someone out right away. That's a very good way of doing it. But immediately going on Tinder or like Bumble and just playing all those cards out, you would not imagine how many people don't even read the profile. It's so funny. You could say it right there and then they'll ask a question and then you're like, wait, are you are you sure you even read it? Oh, no. I, I know a female comic <laughs> who had a whole bit about like updating her Bumble profile to be like, I want to murder you. And people were still <laughs> swiping right. Yeah, that's a thing. It's oh, 100%. so crazy. 100% because we're dudes. We're dumb. We're like, you're hot. Right swipe. Right swipe. Do you be amazed how many people are like, I matched with all those fucking apps where it's like, I didn't fucking read. I, I When we matched, like, oh, you live in fucking Russia. Cool. Unmatch. Oh. Like, 6,000 miles away, I'm not looking for a fucking pen pal. Yeah, I've definitely seen that before. But you know what's actually really funny? Um, I have only ever been in long-distance relationships. Why? Because I was actually scared of meeting someone in person, and it was so much easier to just find people, like, on Discord or on, like, some other kind of gaming chat service than actually, like, going through the dating platform. That makes sense, because in theory, you have something in common at that point. Mm -hmm. And then it's just easier at that point to just include all of the other things. But long distance does not work. Unless one of you is intending to move to the other place, in my personal experience. Oh, yeah. Long distance doesn't fucking work. Like, as long if it's temporary, it's like, oh, hey, you're moving here, or I'm moving there. At a set amount of time, we can make this work till that happens. <laughs> But unless that's the fucking plan, long distance is destined to fucking fail. And the thing about it is people can 100% keep up a good front on being awesome until you're really in their space on a very regular basis. I think that that's true. You know, in my youth, I definitely did a couple of long distance relationships. And boy, boy, did none of them work out. <laughs> it's like, nope, 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 nope. Nope. I won't do them anymore. It's just like one of those things where like, oh, hey, we can talk all the time. We can you know, have some level of intimacy. But until one of us is permanently in the same physical location as the other, this ain't a thing. <laughs> like during the pandemic, I had a you know, woman I was talking to who like I've met in real life. Like she's a friend of a friend, but she lives on the East Coast. And she's been talking about moving to L.A. for a couple of years. So it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, we're talking but like both of us. Like, understand what's up. You know, we both talked about other people we have fucked, like, during this whole time. It's like, that's cool, because you're not my girlfriend. You don't <laughs> live here. And, like, you know, I'm pretty sure she gets it the same way, because, like, she's like, yeah, I'm going on a date. I'm like, cool, have fun, because you're not my girlfriend. You're a friend that I have, like, emotional, romantic feelings towards, but, like, at the end of the day, don't matter until you fucking live here. Oh, yeah. And it's just you're setting yourself up for heartache otherwise. People get fucking weird. Like, people get fucking weird and weirdly jealous, like, when it's long distance, it's gross. Oh, yeah. You know, I've definitely seen both sides of the coin. Um, I don't know. Long distance relationships always worked out for me. And I think it's because of the safety of distance. Is that safety for you? I'm just so dangerous. <laughs> I mean, you're going to beat me to death with a dildo shortly. So, yeah, I think you're fairly dangerous. I'm unpredictable. What are you worried about? Like, what? 
What's the fear? I think the fear was the reality of the relationship being real. <laughs> because when you're there in person, everything is suddenly actually real and you have to acknowledge it. Yeah, and it's not just LARPing a relationship at that point. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's scary? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong to admit that. I mean... I grew up as a very, very sheltered nerd. Like, that farm I grew up in was in the middle of five acres with no neighbors except for a logging company that had accidentally made their own Christian cult. And then an apocalyptic cult that had, like, their own camera security system outside of their gates. Like, And you want to move back to Florida? Why? <laughs> because, you know, I wouldn't be in the country. And at that point, it would be a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, but they're still technically in driving distance of you. You know they're there. <laughs> but I was so sheltered. I didn't know how to communicate with anybody. The nearest school was a 40-minute drive away. So at that point, it was just like... I was so scared of talking to people and really forming relationships. And now, like now that I'm in porn, it feels like I'm really getting to know people more. Camming really helped me with that too. That sort of connection in terms of conversation. I'm really understanding people. And it's so different now than it was back then. Do you think that's part of the reason you got into psychology, to help understand people for yourself? Absolutely. I love understanding how people think. I love understanding one's processes of thought and how they see the world for what it is. Because, you know, everyone has their own perspective on how the world works. And that is so fascinating to me because we all have our own internal dialogue. We all have our own stories and roles that everyone plays we are never the villain in our story. And that has to be something that we hate realizing about other people. Like the person that you hate most in the world does not see them as a villain. Both you and they justify why you're the villain in their story. Exactly. And you know what? That is just so fascinating to me. That is exactly why I wanted to go into psychology. But now... You've obviously made leaps and bounds in your human interaction and your ability to socialize. Oh, yes. Are By you still far. afraid of it? Are you still afraid of it? No. Uh, I have actually just gone like into experiencing the world more, and I am excited by it now. It's definitely not something that scares me the way that it did back then. Look at that evolution, folks. <laughs> well, and that's a beautiful fucking thing. That's a beautiful fucking thing. Absolutely. I wanted... Do dial it back a little bit, a little bit, but I think this is important. Yeah, because you're just you're like, oh, Discord, and like, so do you game? Of course. I, I mean, not, how do you go on Discord and not game? Okay. Uh, there's a lot of talent out there that have their own <laughs> Discords that have nothing to do with gaming. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you can definitely have porn Discords. I actually ran a porn-oriented Discord for about two years. So, well, you know, why would you be on Discord if you're not gaming, man? I ran one of those for two years. <laughs> I know. You know what? I'm just full of contradictions. I see that. I see that. <laughs> but, you know, Discord was originally a gaming platform. And even on the porn Discord servers, there were always still rooms for gamers uh, within it some way. There's always a facet for it. People obsessed with porn and hentai are definitely, you know, there's still an avenue for gamers in there. Um, and so I uh, started on uh, 
I started ever since I was little. I would watch my uh, my family play on the PlayStation One. So we've been, you know, PlayStation generation gamers, and uh, it was a uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. And uh, so I've seen the Tomb Raider series. I saw them playing Dino Crisis. It's just so many good memories. And I got into those games. And uh, now I play games like League of Legends. Uh, I don't play Red Dead Redemption 2. I heard that it's really good. I uh, porn mod Skyrim by like the shit ton. Um, I think that's the first curse I've actually said on this podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> podcast is over. I know it's, it's gotta. <laughs> I'm my my virgin ears. I'm so fucking offended, <laughs> so fucking offended right now. Like, holy shit! That I can't believe you fucking swore at me. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do about it. I'm so sorry. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm totally derailing the conversation. Please keep talking about gaming. I just, you know what. <laughs> I'm going to persevere in this, I promise. I uh, I got into League of Legends. I know that's cringy, but you know what? I Why love is it cringy? League. It's a super popular game. It's okay, but everyone that plays League of Legends knows that League of Legends is toxic. and Most online gaming is pretty fucking toxic. Yeah. So I also got into Call of Duty. I got into PUBG. Oh my gosh, I loved PUBG when it was like really in the height of its popularity. Um I've, I've played a lot of games. <laughs> what are you playing right now? Okay. Um, right now, I've been modding Skyrim Anniversary Edition because the Anniversary Edition recently released. Um, I have been playing... Oh, you know what? Do I we mean, have to log you into Steam? Look at your library? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I've been playing Ark a lot, actually, lately. Uh, as big as Ark is, it's so much fun to play. It's it's sometimes difficult just to download all of the files. I've played uh, Elder Scrolls Online recently. Um, and for nostalgia's sake, every now and then I play Wizard 101. Don't know Wizard 101. Oh, my gosh. So, you know when Toontown was out? No. Oh, okay. It's like years and years and years ago. And Wizard 101 is like one of the really old MMOs out there. I used to be really into MMORPGs. I mainly had like over 2,000 hours on Secret World Online. That was a really old MMORPG. See, I haven't played MMOs since City of Heroes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like I'm an old school COH, uh, City of Villains player. So I never played WoW. Oh, actually, I'm a goddamn liar. I played EVE Online for a while. Ah, there you go. Spreadsheets in space, <laughs> baby. <laughs> What is it like Desert Online? That was a that was a popular one for a while. Black Desert Online. Never played it. Yeah, it's it's all the 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 Japanese MMOs out there too. Those are fun. Jesus, it has been ten years since I've played an MMO, and it was Eve was the last thing I fucking played. <laughs> and I only ever had fun with MMOs when like I was playing with a bunch of real life friends. Mm. I could never get into like I never got into WoW. I never got into a bunch of other stuff like, and I have a lot of friends who like. Built fucking whole communities over their MMO guilds. Mm. And those people became their real life friends. I just never got into it. Oh, of course. You know what? For Elder Scrolls Online, it was very much the same for me. And I know friends that have made Minecraft communities that get abandoned over the period of two days. 
you know, everyone gets so excited about building something. Maybe you'll spend a week building this entire city and everyone's, you know, made their own little homes and then you log on one day and then everyone's sort of switched to their own games again. It happens. ADHD in gaming? Never, never, <laughs> never, never. We've never. never crossed lines once. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. They, they haven't figured out a way to, like, you know, make the slot machine fucking part of our brain go off with gaming. No, no, not at all. No. What's really funny is I'm pretty sure I could get a confirmed ADHD diagnosis off of this podcast, though. On which one of us? <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> I feel like we, like, I feel like we have really great segues to a variety of different topics, but we're making such great ping pong conversation that it works. Oh, out. that's how the show always goes. That's perfect. That is really how the show always fucking goes. I, once again, publicists doing disservice to their fucking clients. And it was not warned in any way, shape or form what the show was going to be. Like, I'm going to show up here for this porn podcast. And he's going to ask me about how I got into the industry and like who I want to fuck and position <laughs> and like i dive into religion immediately like what the fuck what am i doing uh, what's happening here it always works out i think so yeah i mean we got to talk about a bunch of topics that we both really enjoy oh no i hate every last one of them oh yeah i have to put on my fa acting face too. <laughs> all i want to talk about is hardcore pornography that's all i want to talk ah, about yes hardcore sex no 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 just pornography pornography not, not no, no, i don't <laughs> <laughs> what sex unless there's a camera capturing it it doesn't matter oh exactly i also just do silly bits like that sometimes <laughs> honestly i feel like most things related to porn are for the most part pretty boring like people's views and interactions with them matter but like the overall like pornography itself is kind of boring hmm. i've been in the industry for over a decade so i think that's right you know <laughs> So far, I mean, I know I'm still really new, but a lot of the times it's just like the same five positions and then cut. It's it's very uh, it's very easy to sort of slip into a certain pattern. Well, and especially in the modern era, where depending on what company you're shooting for, they are completely basing the scene around what has been hitting for search engine words and the algorithm. Mm. Porn is a quasi art in the first place. Like there definitely can be art in it, but a lot of it is just you know. Basically a factory pumping out masturbation. <laughs> I definitely want to be a part of the industry that just creates art. I and think that's a lot like of people a good do. goal, but you know, it, it doesn't always happen every day. Right. And a lot of the times, you know, you got bills to pay, so <laughs> But the fact that like I was on set for Mind Geek over the summer is just like, oh, this scene is literally entitled just what fucking search words were popular on fucking porn. <laughs> like there is zero art to this. There I was I was recently reading the script uh, for a shoot that I'm going to be on, and I was I could tell that they did not edit the script, so it was like male talent, whoever's cheaper, <laughs> and it was just like uh, like uh, extras, whatever. <laughs> it was just like uh, just filled in with all these bits, and then and then there's the idea for the story, but it was like they could just sort of fill in anyone. Oh. They do 100% do. We were shooting for Trans Angels like over the summer, mm. and they were legitimately just recycled Brazzers fucking. <laughs> and it's a little inside baseball. Please don't not hire me again. But it was literally just Montreal had sent down recycled Brazzers fucking scripts mm. and just changed it 
a little bit for the trans angel scene. It's like, that's not art. That is not fucking art. <laughs> Sometimes, like, it depends on what I feel like, I guess, masturbating to. Because I don't always watch porn. But when I do, it's definitely, like, Sometimes I'm not caring if it's art. Sometimes it is nice to just look for a specific, like, thing. Oh, I agree. I believe yeah, But I'm other just... times I do want, like, it's like, fuck, I want storyline this time. How am I going to actually find it among, like, all of these 5,000 individual files of, like, male cuck scenes? <laughs> is that what you're uh, flicking the bean to? No, I just end up finding it on Pornhub. Every... Oh, yeah, you just end up finding it. <laughs> Okay, if you want to know, like, my super secret fetish, okay. Uh, I mean, me and the internet definitely want to know what your super secret fetish is. Lesbian nuns in latex. It's just hot. I don't know why. <laughs> With the crucifix dildo? <laughs> oh, no. No, it's just, like, something about, like, oh, I must pray for forgiveness. And then, you know, they pray for forgiveness by eating each other out. I just, I love how sacrilegious it is. Have you ever had sex so good that you prayed for forgiveness afterwards? Oh, my gosh. No, but sometimes I feel like I should. <laughs> and there's always next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful part about you know, Christianity. You just have to repent at some point. Yeah. You know, it's at some point down the line. Same for the Crusades. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, just as long as you apologize after. Exactly. Exactly. Like, Because <laughs> what is time to God? Like, mm -hmm. If human, as you get older, time just the passage of time goes faster. Time to God must be fucking nothing. A human lifespan must be nothing. Exactly. God, God just so like if you ask for forgiveness now or twenty years from now, that's like less than a blink to him or her or it or however God identifies today. <laughs> if God actually existed, which yeah, I super don't believe it does. So. <laughs> The way that you said that was actually really interesting because you said, however, God identifies today. So <laughs> did if God existed, did they change identities at some point in the middle of it? Just like, oh, times are changing down on Earth. Maybe I should change identities. Historically, if you believe the Christian, like Judeo-Christian Bible, God doesn't necessarily show up in like form. You know, God felt like fire, a burning bush one day. Exactly. You know what's actually interesting, though, to me? Like, I was going to say something very eloquent, and then I lost it. I'm sure it'll come back to you. Okay, so you know how, <laughs> like, right into it, you know how, um, like, uh, people believe that man was made in the image of God. A lot of uh, our beliefs actually form God in the image of man. And I think that that's, you know, not only pre-sexist, I mean, <laughs> what is it? Like when da Vinci was creating uh, the image of Jesus, it was actually made after his Italian gay lover, which was, you know, that's interesting to me because everyone has this idea of who it has to be. And I feel like our desire to put an image on it is just very silly to me. Well, yeah. And it's like, God can show up. God, if God actually exists, and yeah, you know, what people were, God has shown up in like a hundred different things. Just exactly, like everything but a golden calf. <laughs> everything but it's it's got to be either or. Yeah, God's just like not down with golden calves. Mm -hmm. Golden bull, maybe. <laughs> golden calf, now. Nah. Yeah. If you look at like 
the Judeo Christian church, God is really fucking petty. <laughs> really fucking petty. Yeah, and I still think like it's just it's sorry, it's it's the whole thing is just wild. <laughs> but yeah, it's out of everything, I think that um the idea too that like God hates certain things is just so biased. The idea of that, like, if he did exist. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, oh, well, God gave you free will and could punish you for sin. But it's like your sexual orientation isn't free will. Mm-hmm. Therefore, why would God punish you for that? He didn't give you that choice. Exactly. And you know what? It's so funny that um, that they say, like, God condemns certain types of sex, too. Because in the Bible, it actually open and openly like encourages sex and the freedom of sex and talks about like oh well the angels actually enjoy when two people have sex so it's just like it's really wild to me all of the other stuff i like to believe every time i pop an angel gets its wings oh yeah that's my favorite one too that's my belief that's my <laughs> only belief when it comes to religion like <laughs> just helping angels get their wings of course really whenever we masturbate it's just charity <laughs> Right? Like, I'm just helping them fly. Yeah. So much flying. You have gotten so many angels their wings. I know. Thousands. Millions at I, this point. I, You know what? Choirs in heaven are all flying because of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. At that point, it's just, you know, you know, belief just goes in so many different ways. The fact that any belief is so fucking rigid, though, is just the really silly part. Yeah. The way that I see it, it should just be as fluid as we are as people. Except a lot of people aren't fucking fluid. (laughs) There's a reason, like, people the saying fucking, well, that's how we've always done it, still fucking happens. Because we're really adaptive, but we are really fucking set in our ways, too. Like, when forced stimuli forces us to change... We change. But without that stimuli, people fucking stay pretty goddamn stagnant. Do you know what's great about change, though? I mean, like, it's definitely happening within the porn world. Porn's had to change so much over the years. I mean, it is evolving so quickly. Because, I mean, there was what the history of porn when it comes to, uh, like, tapes and then DVDs. And now everything's online. You know, it's... The history of box covers. Oh, my gosh. And now everything's over Twitter and we've had to conquer social media. And there are different avenues that we all take. And camming now is an entirely different market. And then OnlyFans now being the avenue where uh, porn stars can create their own works and also connect with their fans more intuitively. It's absolutely amazing and OnlyFans has now been like the thing to change people to the point where it's become more widely accepted and I'm really excited for that because I hope that there does become like less of a at least less of a stigma against porn for that well there have definitely been a lot of people that have become sex workers in one shape one way or another over this fucking pandemic Mm -hmm. the amount of people like that have OnlyFans now, it's honestly kind of annoying at times. It's <laughs> honestly kind of annoying because it's just like, yeah, I matched with women on dating apps. It's just like, are I, I flat out asked people, are, are, hey, I'm not, I'm not hating. Are you here for an OnlyFans hustle or like you actually looking to meet people? 
Mm-hmm. It's a little frustrating at fucking times. Like, I am looking to meet people. Or I will edit your OnlyFans content. I'm not one or the other. Like, <laughs> You know what? That's really strange to me. I've heard a lot of people comment about, like, how there are different sex workers that advertise themselves on dating sites. I've actually never taken that approach. I find that, like, really interesting. I mean, I think it's a good way of doing it. Because, like, if you're swiping right on that person, you find them appealing. And then you get the opportunity to see something more intimate. But it's not an establishment of a relationship. It's an advertisement. And then that just becomes a turnoff. So psychologically... I don't feel like it would be as successful of a business venture than just advertising yourself on a Reddit, like on a subreddit somewhere. But they're probably doing that as well. And the yeah. thing about it is, like, you already have a built-in fan base. You already, because you're doing mainstream porn, have some marketing behind you. That's true, too. If you're just, hey, I'm a bartender <laughs> that's on, you know, gotten into OnlyFans during the pandemic while my bar was shut down. Oh, yeah. And found that it's been remotely lucrative. Where do you market yourself? Especially if you have no one coaching you on where to market yourself. Like, hey, I just dove into this because I heard on the internet you can make some money at this. Oh, yeah. I definitely think that you're right. Seeing it from your perspective, it makes a lot of sense that maybe it's just something that the newcomers are focusing on more than more experienced like veterans in porn. And you know what? It's – I think that at that point, maybe that is a good way of doing it. But, you know, like – Twitter is also really good at getting your name out there. I know that I was privileged enough to find like uh, another sex worker that I was following on Twitter who gave me like a list of 25 different subreddits on different like and each subreddit had its own niche for what fit you the best and then what like items you could sell on it like panties and lingerie and socks, all sorts of wild stuff, you know. Hey. If you got them and people want to buy them, sell them. Shit. Exactly. But unfortunately, like, this has also been a discussion that's happened on here multiple times. Yeah. There is no porn 101. There is no porn 101. You all have to find your way. You know what, though? When I started camming, there are actually camming 101s, which is really helpful. There are actually a bunch of different resources that I found where people were able to say, hey, this is the webcam you should first get. With the very first money that I had, I bought like a Logitech C920 and then I got like some light stands for 60 bucks. And then it was like, okay, this is what I need to start out with. And then I like I, I ventured on that. But you know what? Everything else, they definitely don't tell you all of like the difficulties and the, the caveats that come with porn itself. Well, porn itself, it's honestly not in porn's best interest to retain you. Yeah. For the cam sites, since they're making a chunk off of every cent you make, it's in their best interest to retain you and have you build a fan base. Porn doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Mainstream porn literally doesn't care if you succeed or fail because they're going to monetize you. And eventually, unless you are in the top 1% of performers, you're going to be shot out. Oh, yeah. It's just what it is. They know that. They know they accept that. And it's just like, that's why a lot of agencies don't really have your best interest start. They just want to monetize you as best as possible. It's just how it is. It's just how the business is. And that's one of the things that the OnlyFans revolution has changed is like there are performers taking more control of their own careers via OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. But if you are not established in the industry and have 
no social circle that is in the industry. It's a lot of trial and error, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Or just being like, I'm on Instagram. Here's my link tree. Sign up for the OnlyFans. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I found a bunch of girls doing that was interesting. A lot of girls are actually advertising their OnlyFans on TikTok. That's something that I noticed has gotten really popular lately. Which is wild to me because fuck TikTok. (laughs) Like, TikTok will fucking mute you for using profanity. TikTok will mute you for a lot of things. (laughs) So you have to talk in very indirect ways about everything. I know... Uh, TikTok, when it comes to porn, they actually call it just corn. <laughs> I know. It's so silly. It's, it's so, so wild. Silly. You can't even say porn. You you can only say corn. And even though now the moderators on, t- on TikTok actually know it's that corn is obviously porn, they still don't like, they don't do too much about it because they're like, oh, well, they're saying corn right now, so it's okay. Well, I think a lot of it is, a lot of that is automated. Mm-hmm. So the, they don't want to have, like, the bots fucking blocking people. <laughs> Talking about their cornfields and all of a sudden banned for illicit content. <laughs> yeah, because it has to be automated because on how fast they muted podcast clips I put mm. up. The couple I tried, Nathan Bronson was talking about fishing a makeup sponge out of someone. On oh, set. my gosh. <laughs> and that fucking got muted. Wow. Real, like, within an hour or two of, like, it being up. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, I'm sure that a bunch of people, like, maybe it was just reports, too. No, because every other clip I've ever put up has been muted as well. Wow. Okay. I'm so sorry. It's okay. The TikTok is just where my gaming stuff goes now. Yeah, that's a good that's a good avenue, too. Like, here. Here's me playing Apex Legends. Have fun. <laughs> it's family content. Come check out my other stuff where I say horrible things. Yeah. I mean, what other content, uh, like, what other games do you play? Oh, well, uh, currently I play, I discovered Splitgate recently. Ooh, that sounds cool. Uh, It is a, it's basically models itself after old school Halo, but involves the mechanics from Portal. Mm. So it's a shooter with like portals, like from Portal. So you shoot one portal, shoot another and like teleport around the map. Oh, that's really cool. It's a lot of fun. It's like, it's some indie designer. It's a really well put together game for being an indie. It's a lot of fun. Um, I play with my Twitch community on Thursday nights, which this episode drops on Thursday. So if you're hearing this, come by tonight at some point. And we play um, an Among Us clone called Goose Goose Duck. As I like to tell people, Among Us was the Blackberry. This is the iPhone of these type of games. (laughs) Because they took everything that made Among Us good and improved upon it. Oh, wow. And the devs are super involved. In, in the time it took Among Us to roll out a fourth map, this game released and dropped like two other maps. Plus, they're constantly making updates. Like, if you'd like, it's free. Come play with us on Thursday. Hmm. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Not, I'll not. definitely think. I think I will. All right. Awesome. Oh, wait. Wait, what day is Thursday? <laughs> oh, wait. No, that's tomorrow. I don't think I can. I'm sorry. It's okay. We do it every Thursday. Like, it's. <laughs> It's okay, my, then I com- can definitely schedule it. Yeah, it's my community game night. Like, my, my Discord, my Twitch slash Discord community does it every Thursday. Some other industry folks occasionally pop in. That's really cool. I will. I'm so sorry. I think that I reached at some point in my last sip a level of drunkenness where I was thinking about the chair beside me for some reason. And I was just like, how far is the chair from me? 
and I got, uh, you know, just very distracted. A-okay. <laughs> so, A-okay. It's actually about that time we're going to call last call on this motherfucker. Ah. You know, we've been going at this for over two hours, so. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's been a wonderful time talking with you. My pleasure as well. Where can they find you on the things before we get out of here? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter as Leanna Lovings. That's capital L's. L-E-A-N-A-L-O-V-I-N-G-S. And my OnlyFans is Leanna Lovings, all lowercase. And that's the same for my Instagram. Check out Leanna. She's new. She's going to be around for a minute. She's going to make some more stuff. And as always, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook, twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. You can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash Matt Slayer. I have so many fucking plugs these days. You can find the podcast <laughs> at, and now we drink on Twitter, and now we drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Motherfuckers.